Bibles up to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13, we're going to pick up in verse 8 today, so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we need your word more than ever, Lord, just like we need daily bread for our bodies. You said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, and Lord, that we would be consistently taking in your word as that spiritual life, and Lord, not to uh, neglect that, but to make it uh, a priority in our lives to uh, meditate day and night on your word, to have a love and a hunger for your word, to guide us in our lives. Lord, we need, we need light. We live in a dark world. We, we have a uh, a fleshly nature that works against you, Lord, and we need to be reminded how to deal with that daily. So speak to us even today as we look at these passages about loving one another, about being ready for your return. And so we just pray your Holy Spirit brings these words alive to each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So... Romans 13, verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So verse 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another. So some might look at this and say, oh, so the Bible's telling us that we're not allowed to borrow money. It says, oh, no one, anything. But, you know, really that is not the, the sense uh, that Paul is um, striving to communicate here. Uh, in fact, Jesus said in Matthew 5.42, give to him who asks, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. So it, the Bible does not forbid us to borrow, although it's not a good idea, is it? It's no fun to be in debt, is it? Uh, Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, 
and the borrower is, borrower is servant to the lender. So the, the subject here is not talking about finances. The idea here is that we owe people love. That's the point. And we can, we can get a wrong attitude uh, about how we interact with other people, you know, especially in the church. And I believe that's really the context here. Uh, of course, we're to love everybody, but uh, really the context of these chapters, he's talking about church life and the importance of loving one another within the church, uh, loving other believers. And we can maybe get the attitude like, well, you know, I, I love my family, I love my spouse, and and maybe not feel an obligation to reach out to those around us or to know what's going on in the lives of those around us. And that's a wrong attitude, that we do have an obligation. We do owe people around us love, especially in the church. And I, I think really make it practical in our little church here. If this is the church you call home, you owe the people around you love. So you need to kind of think about that. You need to pray about it. Lord, how can I express love to those around me? And we all have different gifts. We all express that in different ways. Uh, maybe your gift is giving, and you, you just give somebody money, and that, like, blows their mind. It really ministers to them, and that's your way of expressing love, and that's totally legitimate. Or maybe your gift is mercy. You just oh, man, I feel so bad. I heard you're going through a hard time. And, you know, you just want to put your arm around them and, and hug them. And that's, that's a way of expressing love. And so next week, we're going to get into uh, more uh, talking about um, church life and, and gifts. And we talked about the gifts in Romans chapter uh, 12. And so it's just important. Think about it. Don't, don't be inwardly focused. Love focuses on other people and thinks about the needs of others. And, and again, the understanding that you, from God's perspective, he expects you to be active in loving other people, especially uh, through the gifts that he's given you. So he says, for love, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so we know that Jesus talked about that, didn't he? If we turn over to uh, Matthew twenty-two forty, Matthew twenty-two forty. Well, let's let's start in um, verse. 35, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, which is the greater, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, commands, commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So don't you love that, how the Lord can take the whole Old Testament and just summarize it in a, in a couple words? And I, I love that about the Lord. He, he's able to do that because that would be difficult for us to try to remember all the laws, all the commandments. And the Lord says, you know, just don't get too hung up on all that. If you just love me and love others. You know, sometimes 
I just, if I feel kind of out of sorts, I'm kind of confused, like, well, what am I supposed to do, Lord? And I just so often remember four words, love God, love others. It's that simple. Just get, get back in alignment with loving God. And in, in this context we're talking about today, it's more focused on loving others. And you fulfill the whole law. And then he, so he expands on this a bit more. He says, for the commandments you shall, for the commandments you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So now we think about loving our neighbor as ourself. And that's not natural for us necessarily, right? We're, we tend to be focused inwardly on our needs, on what we're going through. And the Lord is saying, I want you to think about how to love others. You owe love to others. And, and how should this look? He says, well, you should love others as you love yourself. So that takes some thought, right? What are the needs of those around me? I want to be available to minister to them. Now, of course, we're in a section of Romans now where it's more exhortation. Paul saying, hey, you've learned these great doctrines from chapters 1 through 8, and now it's time to apply these lessons you've learned. And the way the Christian life should play itself out is, is so often in loving other people. You know, you can think of a lot of scriptures related to that. You know, you think of uh, 1 Corinthians 13, how gives a, a real description of love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not irritable. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. So you're just, you're patient with people. You, you want people to be merciful toward you, right, when you make a mistake, so you should treat other people like that. Ha- have mercy. Don't have a, a critical, harsh kind of spirit toward other people. We're so quick to <laughs> excuse our, ourselves and our failures, but we're often quick to kind of think the worst of others sometimes and, and their motives and why, do, why did they do that. It's better to you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Well, they, they probably didn't really mean that. And, and just being quick to forgive and, and being other-oriented, there's a, a real fulfillment in that, isn't there? Jesus said when you lose your life, you find your life. If it's all about being self-focused and fulfilling my needs, my needs, they're, they're, that's like an endless black hole. It's never filled. But when we, we think about, no, what can I do to minister certainly to those closest to you and your family, but even outside that circle, Lord, what can I do to minister to others? And again, the thinking about the doctrines of Romans 1 through 8 is so important, right? Because if we're not learning to walk in the Spirit, then we're not going to have that fruit of the Spirit, which is what's the first fruit of the Spirit that's listed? Love. Yeah, somebody goes like that. You call me a loser? Is that or Oh, love. Okay, yeah, so 
the fruit of the Spirit is love. And we can never forget that. Our, our, Because we can try to love others in our own strength and, and we're going to get burnt out. We're going to get hurt. We're not going to, hey, you're not giving me back. Here, I'm loving you. You're not giving back to me what I deserve. <laughs> That's not love, right? Love, the love of God just keeps giving and giving and giving and, and forgiving. And so the fruit of the Spirit, it says in Galatians 14, uh, the fruit of, or in that section of Galatians chapter 5, uh, the walking in the power of the Spirit, learning not to rely on our own strength, but to rely on the strength of Christ. And Romans 8 talks about the same thing, uh, that when we walk in the Spirit, we fulfill the law. So we always want to come back to that. And, and I, I love just to meditate on Romans chapter 8, often just quoting it in my time of, of meditation because I need to be reminded how to walk in the Spirit. Because if I'm not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, then I know I'm not going to have love for others. So another aspect of we thinking about loving our neighbor as ourself, remember when they asked uh, Jesus, well, well, who's my neighbor? Trying to justify themselves. And, and Jesus told the story of, of the Good Samaritan, right? Where, I'll paraphrase it, but you know, you know the story where this um, man is traveling down the road and, and comes across this person who's been beat up by robbers and left for dead and the, the self-righteous religious people just kind of pass him up. And then this Samaritan uh, helps this guy. I mean, practically helps him. Like, okay, I'm going to clean you up, put you on my donkey, take you to a hotel, let you check in, and any other expense I'm going to pay. You know, that's loving your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, my daughter and I were, were talking about that, and, and uh, I know she, she has a real gift of mercy, so she'll see people in need, and we were kind of talking, and she was kind of expressing her heart, saying, you know, Dad, I just don't feel like we do enough sometimes. And I said, well, I think God's just, you know, stirring your heart to look around and, and see those who are helping. And we, we kind of talked about, you know, well, you know, homeless people. Well, we have a guy who our church is helping, you, you you don't know this, some of you know it, but um, I wanted to share this with you guys because it's somebody we've been helping, a homeless person, um, <clears throat> and the money that you give on Sunday mornings, um, recently quite a bit of that money's been going to him, uh, you know, several hundred dollars. And, but, you know, the Lord really put it on my heart with this individual that, uh, that we are to help him. He's like that, that person who's been beat up by life and, and man, he's in the gutter and you can walk by him and, and say, well, you know, had you not made certain choices, you wouldn't be in the position you're in and just keep walking. Well, you know, we've all done that. And, or, you know, um, if you were more faithful in your church attendance, you wouldn't, and you wouldn't have ended up here. And, you know, like the Lord is just telling me, you know, 
you love this person and you help them. And um, and some of you know who he is. You know, he's, he's a guy, he used to come to our church. Well, we used to go to uh, Calvary Chapel Arlington years ago. He was actually on the worship team and he just fell away from the Lord, fell into really strong drugs that really affected him over the years. And then a few years ago, he, he showed up here at the church and was actually attending the church for for a little while when we were at another location. But again, fell back into this, really the, the grip of sin. And yet this, when I look at this man, I see such potential in him. I, I just see like almost from the Lord's perspective that the Lord wants to raise him up and heal him, the damage that's been done to his mind and emotions through, through drug abuse through opening doors, you know, to the enemy, the Lord wants to raise him up and help him. And, and, uh, the temptation is, uh, well, you know, I, I gave you that money. What happened to that money? And now you're asking for more. The Lord says, I don't do that. You just need to help him. You know, and the, and the Lord's given us direction in terms of, uh, me and pastor Steve met with him and, Felt like the Lord really saying, you know, you need to get yourself in a in a Christian shelter where you can be uh, uh, just saturated in the Word of God. You need to be healed. So I'm not saying you just hand people money without any sort of guidance or, or whatever. And so the Lord just showed us this path for this individual. And so um, we've we've helped him. Well, we were helping him to get down to. Uh, Conroe, Texas, where his he has three girls that live there, and he wants to be by them to go to the shelter. And, you know, his car is breaking down, every obstacle you could think about. But the Lord just said, keep helping him, keep helping him. Keep. I said, bro, we're, we are with you. We are going to get you there. And uh, so he gets down there, and this storm hits. And, and it's like you can't believe the, the things. And I'm like, are you kidding? I said, bro, you know, just let us know if you need help, you know. And, and, and he said, well, people are telling me, you know, I should, I should go north because he's sleeping in his car. I said, well, yeah, you better just, you know, go, go north. So I'm telling you this because I want you guys to be praying for him. His name's Stephen. Pray for him because we, you guys are helping him with the funds you give. But to me, this is a perfect example of being that good Samaritan, helping somebody. You know, we can't, we're a small church. We, we can't have like a huge homeless outreach and, you know, help hundreds of people. But we can help one person that we know that's been destroyed by sin and, and is making a, you know, he certainly is reaching out to the Lord, but he needs a special season of ministry where he is just going to be, you know, saturated with the word of God uh, be able to uh, get back on his feet where they they help him start to find a job and so please be be praying for him and uh but to me that's that's where it says love your neighbor as yourself with grace and and again we need wisdom right you just don't hand money to out to anybody you know you you have to have wisdom but certainly if we're praying about, Lord, how can we love more? How can we do more to love others? Lord, I want to be open to what you're calling me to do, to use my gifts, to use the resources I have. 
And I believe God will bring people in your path where, where you, can, you can help. So I, I believe it's so much about walking in the Holy Spirit. Always put love God first, then love others. We're loving the Lord. We're walking in his power and his grace. Then he shows us how to express uh, that love. And then verse 11 says, um, and do this knowing that the time now, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. So I, I think there's a transition now here Paul's making. He's been talking about loving others. Now he's saying, love others because the time is short. In other words, think about the priorities in your life. How are you living your life? Because you're going to be standing before the Lord pretty soon and have to give an account for your life. I think that's really what, what Paul's driving it here. And so often the scripture does remind us of eternal things, doesn't it? This world does everything it can to just make you not think about eternity, to just think about the here and now. And God's always saying, you're an eternal being. This life is but for a moment. And eternity is forever and ever. And you want your life to count for eternity. And, and a way that you do that is by loving God and loving others. That's got to be a priority of your life. So Paul is saying here, you know, love others just knowing that, that the time is short, that it's high time to wake out of your sleep. Now, He's, he's talking to Christians here. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to Christians. So do we realize there's a tendency for us to go to sleep spiritually? Do, we, do you realize that about yourself? Yeah. You, you can get weary, and, and you, you can start to make excuses. And, and, and uh, you know, sometimes I, I was sharing this with somebody the other day. Sometimes, you know, I'll get this idea uh, and I think it's probably the enemy of uh, if my life was like this or like this, or, you know, maybe uh, God would call me to Hawaii, you know, to be a pastor and I could just surf, you know, all the time. And, and uh, you know, my, my life would just be different and no more, you know, Texas summers and just a cool breeze blowing on me all. You know, it's like, what are you, t- what are you thinking? What are you talking we can, we can get these ideas of what we think we want our life to be, kind of daydreaming. And the Lord is saying, you know, snap out of it. You know, wake up. That, that's not what I have for you. That's not where you're, you wouldn't be fulfilled anyway. That's just your flesh. You know, I love Rick Coburn, pastor of Calvary Chapel uh, in Dallas, uh, tells a story about how when he felt called uh, to go to the ministry and uh, Pastor Chuck asked him, um, I don't know, it was one of the pastors, I don't know, it was Pastor Chuck, but asked him, um, you know, what, is this really what you want to do with your life? Are you really sure about this? He's, he goes, well, what I really want to do with my life is just be a, a surf bum, honestly, but God's calling me to do this, so I want to obey the Lord because I want my life to count for eternity and I just thought that's so, you know, honest, right? So many would say, oh, I'm, yes, I just always want to serve the Lord. That's all I've ever wanted to do. And, you know, it's like, really? I mean, we have to admit that 
we have a tendency, look, we're all like sheep. We can go astray, right? We can fall asleep. We can get off track and we need to be reminded. That's why we need to be in the word. We need to be in fellowship because we need that course correction. We need to be woken up out of our out of our sleep. And Paul's saying, hey, it's high time. Wake up, start loving other people. You're, you're in a daze. You, you need to snap out of it and, and think about the priorities in your life. And, and are you really loving other people? Is that the priority of your life? Because he says, for now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So, of course, he's talking about not salvation in terms of uh, being forgiven of our sins and, and having a, a ticket to heaven. He's talking about the ultimate salvation where, you know, we'll be redeemed body, soul, spirit, right? We'll, we'll have the resurrection body. That's what he's talking about. That salvation is nearer than we first believed. You know, for me, it's like 43 years nearer from when I first believed And hopefully I won't be here 43 more years, you know, be 103. <laughs> so it's nearer. That should give us hope, right? Everybody's trying to figure out, so how old is he? I'm 60. <laughs> you don't look that old. You don't look a day over 40. So... Uh, But again, that's that eternal sort of viewpoint. Our, our, our salvation is nearer. Paul's saying, wake up, get busy. Yeah, it's easier to sleep. It's more comfortable to sleep. It's, it, you know, to be laying on that lounge chair on the beach. But God has something for you. He wants you to be out loving people and being busy about his work because you're going to be standing before him pretty soon, and you're going to wish you'd been busy serving him. So verse 12, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. See, there it is. He just he keeps driving that home. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. So again, with eternity in view, understand your time is short. And there's going to be things that want to attach themselves to you, works of darkness that you just have to cast off. And you have to choose to put on that armor of light. I believe that's really what Paul is driving home here. See, it's these things aren't automatic. You just aren't, well, I'm saved. I, I asked Jesus into my life, so everything's okay now, right? Well, no, you're in a battle, man. You, you've got to choose to put on that armor. You got to choose to cast off the works of darkness. You got to cast something off and you got to put something on. I believe that's a daily thing cuz you we live in a dark dark world, right? And it's getting darker. It's getting further from the things of God. People are going deeper into sin, glorifying sin. We live in this dark world. We have an enemy that is trying to kill, steal, and destroy. We have a, a flesh that is at enmity against God that we must deal with every day. And if we're kind of on cruise control, guess what? You're not gonna you're not gonna be victorious. But when you're 
when you've got that understanding, wow, I've got to cast off these, these temptations that are coming my way. They're dark. I've got to put on light. I've got to be in the word of God. That's what I believe that armor of light is. The word of God gives us light. The, our relationship with Jesus Christ gives us light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, right? So you're, you're just focused on Christ. You're letting him pour light into your life, and you're not toying with sin. See, when we begin to see this thing in our life that, that oh, this is dark, this, no, I'm, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to cast this off. I'm not going to be passive and just let things into my life that are works of darkness. The, you know, if you knew today was your last day on earth, right, wouldn't you be pretty diligent about casting off darkness and, and focusing on the light? If you knew, like, tonight at 8 o'clock you're going to be standing before the Lord, you would live your life differently today. I think you, you wouldn't be, we wouldn't be as casual about allowing certain thoughts, certain things into our lives. We would say, no, no, I'm, I'm going to be standing before the Lord in a few hours. I'm going to focus on the things of God so I can uh, hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, let's live every day like that. Verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness. So we see kind of these three separate groups of words uh, that Paul is giving us uh, more definition in terms of what what are these works of darkness. So they're uh, revelry and drunkenness, lewdness and lust, strife and envy. So these works of the flesh that are you know listed in more details. Uh, in the book of Galatians and earlier in the book of Romans. But Paul's just kind of hitting these, you know, quick bullet points as reminders to us. He's saying, you know, this is about walking with God step by step. You need to be careful. You need to walk properly or decently is, is another interpretation of that. As in the day not in revelry and drunkenness. So that that whole party thing, right? God has something better for us than that. You know, some of you have never been into that kind of lifestyle. God bless you, you know, but some of us, you know, my teenage years into that kind of partying and drunkenness and drugs, and it's, it's, it's darkness. You know, there's pleasure for a season, but the end is death. And there's an emptiness. There's a death. And, and the Lord... The Lord is saying, I've got something better for you. I, you can be filled with the, with the living water. You can be filled with alcohol to dull your senses and have an, a, a hangover. Learn to get over in the, in the power of the Spirit. You know, it's not like we're, we're living these miserable um, lives uh, that, uh, well, you know, I, I can't drink. I can't do any, uh, I can't do any of these things. Um, but at least I'm going to heaven. I'll be miserable, you know. But, I, you know, that's what I used to think before I was a Christian. I thought, well, you know, I know I should become a Christian, and, and I know I'll be empty and miserable as a Christian because I'm having so much fun, you know, in the world. Uh, that's what I thought. But it, but I can kind of came to this conclusion, like, well, at least I'll go to heaven. So I, I, I gave my life to the Lord. And then once I stepped over the line into the kingdom of God, I realized, wait a minute, this is awesome. 
There's, I'm not empty. I'm not miserable. There's a joy that far exceeds, you know, trying to chase down the next high. It's miserable to just be able to learn to walk in the spirit and, and the, the love, the joy, the peace, the power that God has for us. And these are just counterfeits, the, the drunkenness, the partiness. And then uh, he says, don't walk in lewdness and lust. You know, these are things, the whole sexual area. Man, we're given so many warnings in Scripture, aren't we? So many warnings. Yeah, I'll think about uh, stories in the Old Testament that uh, were warned time after time. You know, the, in Proverbs, uh, warning the young man about the seductress woman that's going to come uh, across his path. And, and he says the, the, the young guy who he, he's like, he suddenly, he, he just gives in and goes with her and follows this woman. He's like an ox being led to the slaughter. You know, and the Lord says, I understand, you know, you're going to get this little thrill, but is it really worth it? Because her, her steps lead to the grave. That's really where you're headed. You're thinking in your mind, oh, this can be a good time. Yeah, but there's a grave right on the other side of that. It's death. It's destruction. You know, I think about Samson. Read, read about his life, how he was so um, obsessed with sex, obsessed with himself and his desire. You know, God has, God is a creator of sex, but he says it's got to be done in, in his way, in, in, in the context of marriage. And this will destroy your life. Look what happened to Samson. You know, you think about um, David. All, all, you know, the, if he, he should have been, he should have been in the battle and he was, you know, looking off his uh, balcony at this naked woman and, you know, allowing himself to become tempted and he fell into this sin that really affected his life. So we need to think about this, you know, our thought life and, 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 and so notice these things are so much about, you know, self-fulfillment out of God's order and God saying, I, I've got something better for you. Don't get caught up in these things. And then he's, he says, strife and envy. See, if there's, if there's strife in your life, there's anger, there, you're looking at other people and you're envious, you're not content with who God has made you, how God has made you, who he's made you, the giftings he's given you. You don't need to be envious of other people. You need to, to discover God's will for your life. And there's incredible contentment in that. There is. I mean, God made you the way he made you for a reason. You just have to discover that and walk in his gifts, quit looking at others and being envious. And then again, often when we're trying to lead our lives, instead of letting the Lord lead our life, there is strife. There's, there's, you're fighting, you're angry, you're, you're, you're kicking against God's will. And so you find strife and envy, you find uh, lewdness and lust, revelry and drunkenness, these things, the Lord's saying, think about eternity, think about you're going to stand before me pretty soon. Think about the priority of your life. And again, these, these are words to Christians. And then he says, verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So there's that uh, picture again of, you know, putting off something and putting on. And you're, what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I believe that means 
our relationship with him and, and receiving from him, again, it's not an automatic thing. You have to intentionally say, Lord, here I am this morning. I receive your righteousness, Lord Jesus, to do my devotion this morning. I receive your life, your strength, because of what you did on the cross, Lord. Uh, all that you are is mine by faith. It's Romans 1 through 8 is what he's saying in, in a capsule. He's saying you need to take all of that that you learned, and, and you guys should know Romans 1 through 8 pretty, pretty well. You guys have been going uh, to the church here a while because we've been challenging you with the Romans Revolution. Read that one chapter every day until you know that chapter and then let the Holy Spirit begin to inspire you to apply it. But it's it's about understanding we're sinners. He's the Savior who died on the cross, rose again. So his death is my death. That's power over my sinful flesh. His resurrection is my resurrection. That's power to live righteously for God. But it's all in the person of Jesus Christ. You know, it's not just about... Oh, you know, your sins have been forgiven by what Jesus did on the cross. Now just go try to be a good person. You can't be a good person in yourself, even as a, as a forgiven Christian. It's a daily reckoning yourself dead to sin and alive to God. It's a daily understanding that my flesh is at enmity against God. I'm not looking to self to live this Christian life. I'm looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm making no provision for the flesh. So, I mean, if you're struggling with alcohol and you got, you know, a six-pack in your refrigerator, you're like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to touch it. But you're kind of making provision for yourself, right? You're making it kind of easy uh, for yourself to, to give into the temptation. So we want to be careful how we live our lives. You know, you're struggling with pornography. Uh, is it good for you to have, you know, access to, to pornography so easily? You might want to think about how you can put up, you know, guards around yourself so that you don't so quickly, so easily fall into sin. So he's, again, he's talking to Christians. Don't make, don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Your flesh, as a Christian, has wrong desires. And, they, and we have to be realistic about that and deal with that on a daily basis. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and these warnings and these encouragements Lord, that we would have a priority of loving others, giving of ourselves to others. And then, Lord, remembering that the time is short and that if we've gone asleep spiritually, that we would awake out of that sleep, Lord, and begin to love others. We would look at our lives and see... uh, the sin that so easily entangles us, Lord, and we'd be careful to to repent from it and, and not to allow it in our lives and then to put on your righteousness, your strength every day, Lord, just like we get dressed in the morning, we put on clothes, we're to put on Jesus Christ uh, intentionally understanding who he is, what he has to provide for us in his love and righteousness, and then walk in that clothed in his righteousness. And so, Lord, 
we just pray you would remind us of these truths that when we stand before you, we would, you would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, you, you would say, we, you were not asleep, but you were active for me and for my kingdom. And Lord, as we now just open up to a time of ministry, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord. You would encourage your body. Lord, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for spoken words of encouragement that mean so much, Lord, uh, to the health of the body. And I just pray that we could be open to your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.